Welcome to episode 31 of Hurdle, a podcast that talks to everyone from top CEOs to entrepreneurs about how they got through tough times, hurdles of sorts, by leaning into wellness. My name's Emily Abadi, and today I am chatting with Jesse Dover, co-founder and creative director at bag company Dagny Dover. For just a second, think about how annoying it is when you can't find something in the bag you're carrying around for the day. Maybe it's a pen or your sunglass case or your wallet. It's like you're digging through an endless abyss to find that one single item that seems to have gone totally MIA. Well, Jesse and her co-founders wanted to change that frustrating scenario with their super functional bag line. In the backpack of theirs that I happen to use most days of the week, there's a spot for everything from my laptop and pens and a clip for my keys, special pockets for other things like my wallet, and even an external elastic situation perfect for my water bottle because there is no way I'm letting that thing anywhere near my laptop. As you can probably tell, I'm a pretty big fan of the brand. Before we talk Jesse and more things bags, shout out to the sponsor of today's episode, Athletic Greens. Complete with 12 servings of fruits and vegetables, having the greens powder first thing in the morning before I head out the door makes me feel like a better me. They're offering a special deal just for Hurdle listeners. It's 20 free travel packs valued at $99 with your first purchase. Just head on over to athleticgreens.com hurdle to claim it. No code necessary. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Now on to Jesse's story. After graduating from Parsons School of Design and working at Coach in another large fashion company, she quickly learned that big corporate culture just wasn't her scene. That's when one of her co-founders, Melissa, reached out to her with an idea, and the work on what would eventually become Dagny Dover began. But it wasn't always smooth sailing. Returning late one night from a work trip overseas, she walked into the apartment she shared with her then boyfriend of more than three years to see her stuff packed up in the corner and him asking her to leave. The breakup rocked her world. In today's episode, we talk about that hurdle moment and we're pretty vulnerable about how tough it can be to separate your personal life from your professional life when emotions are high and confusion is real. Up front, I really want to thank Jesse for her honesty. You know, dealing with love and breakups and all that stuff, it's tough at any age and it's also tough to talk about publicly. To get through the emotional muck, Jesse leaned into fitness and soul cycle and eating better. And soon enough, she was through the fog while still being an integral part of building her business, which now more than five years old is growing like wild wildfire. As always, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Hurdle Podcast, you know the drill. Make sure to tag me in your Instagram stories, listening to the podcast with your favorite takeaways. I love reposting those from the Hurdle account. A special shout out to the 10 or so people that came up to me this week at studios and bars and literally on the street saying, are you Emily from Hurdle Podcast? You uh, <laughs> you made my day, my week, my month. It's, uh, it's so awesome to connect with you guys in the real real. If you also want to say hi or have a hurdle moment of your own to share, shoot me an email, emily at hurdle.us. And last but not least, Dagny Dover is offering hurdle listeners a special discount of 20% off through January 31st of 2019. Just head on over to dagnydover.com and use the code hurdle20 at checkout. Again, that's hurdle20 at checkout for 20% off. And that's it. Let's get to hurdling. I'm hanging out today with Jessie Dover. She's the creative director and co-founder at Dagny Dover. Hey, Jessie. Hey. What's going on? Not much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming in. You know, it's funny. When I first met Jessie, it's like, you know when you meet someone and you just feel like you get it? I met her <laughs> and I was she, I, she was wearing a great outfit and she was complimenting me on my outfit. Likewise, yeah. And today she walked in wearing my favorite pair of pants that I also own. I know. We're like connected. This is magical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I found out that Jesse and I are actually the same age and it yeah. made me feel really confident about where we are. Right yeah, now. same, same. <laughs> I don't often actually talk to a lot like I guess I don't really ask people how old they are but I also feel like I'm not often talking to people that is that are my exact same age yeah at work I feel like everyone's older than me me too Do you I feel, feel that like way? everyone's older than me all okay. the time and I'm always like well how old are you 
Yeah, I know. know. Especially I work most days out of a WeWork. And when I'm in the WeWork, it's like me and I feel like a bunch of people. Some are my age, but some are surely like my father's age. Yes, And I'm like, hi. Hi, Hi, I'm the young in here. My name is Emily. (laughs) I write fitness content for a living most days. But other days I'm here recording Hurdle. Yeah. And like today with you. So I'm so amped to have you here. I think first and foremost, what we need to do is tell the world about Dagny Dover. What is Dagny Dover? Give me the lowdown. Dagny Dover is a lifestyle bag brand that I founded in 2013 with my two partners, Melissa and Deepa. Basically, what we do is we create performance bags. So everything from workout athleisure bags to luxury leather bags. The thing that's different about Dagny is that everything that we make is super functional. The whole idea behind the brand is that you can look awesome, be cool, super stylish no matter what you're doing and also be organized and ready to take on your day. You know what I love about your company? Hmm. (laughs) Right off the bat. (laughs) Right off the bat, what I love about your company is that I have a few pieces myself. I have a backpack Mm -hmm. that I love, Mm -hmm. and I have uh, an overnight overnight bag, a weekender bag that I love. And I'm sure you could say the more proper names to these items. But (laughs) whenever I bring them anywhere, someone compliments me on it. I feel like I'm instantly cooler when I carry this bag around. (laughs) And you know what I think a big part of it is? You said there's leather, but there's Mm -hmm. also like this amazing neoprene collection. Collection, mm-hmm. And I just think that it's super in vogue. Thank you for the kind words. You're welcome. Thank You're welcome. You. I'm just, I just like to start the podcast off with flattery. I appreciate <laughs> it. We set the bar. We set the bar really high for what we're about to get into. Okay. So Dagny Dover, when did you and your co-founders start the company? We launched in 2013, but we were working on building the brand for about a year and a half before we launched. Okay. And so that is like actually right after you finished college. Yes. So give me a little intel about your backstory. Where did you go to college? Were you always Mm -hmm. like, man, I'm going to make this outstanding bag company and that's going to be the deal? (laughs) No, not at all. I'm from Colorado. So I come from the mountains. I'm from a small town called Steamboat Springs. And I grew up basically just being an outdoorsy kind of girl. I played every sport that I possibly could. I lived the Colorado lifestyle. I snowboarded every single day. And when I was in high school, I realized that I like I I was a soccer player, an athlete. And I remember walking off the field and my fellow teammates would be like so upset when we lost and like so happy when we won and I just didn't really care I was good and I got a lot of attention for being good but I remember thinking like is this it is this what it's supposed to be like when you like love something and it was around the same time that I started to be super into design and art and I have always loved building things, so I decided to take a summer off of sports and go to art camp in Rhode Island at RISD, and I friggin' loved it. And when I came back, I was like, I'm going to be a designer. This is what I want to do, and I continued playing sports, and I got a lot of like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, you're really good at this. I think you should stick with it. You know, maybe you should just quit volleyball and play soccer and like a lot of that kind of stuff. And and then when I applied to colleges, I applied to all art schools and I ended up getting into Parsons. And so I moved to New York. My mom came and dropped me off. And at that point, I all I knew was I wanted to be a designer and I wanted to create a brand. And did you at the time think that you were going to go into maybe creating clothing? Yeah. You did? It, yeah. I, I mean, I was really open because at that point I hadn't really made a lot of stuff I knew that I was into fashion and style I was I like to build things with my hands so I started in apparel and that's what I was formally trained in at Parsons how to create clothing and and I then my senior year started to kind of shift into like okay there's a lot more to fashion and a lot more to apparel and and like wearable goods than just style and soft clothing. And so I started designing footwear and handbags. And then my senior year, I won an award through Coach, actually, that kind of shifted my focus into handbags. I spent time my senior year at Coach creating a collection that I had designed, and I just loved it. For me, a glimpse into a bigger world that I didn't necessarily know existed or I didn't know how to 
get there, if that makes sense. But I saw people super happy in their jobs, which at my previous internships and jobs were like, it was it wasn't super commonplace for people in fashion to be super happy with their job. I know that yeah. like I don't I want to like say that quietly, but it's I guess it's not a quiet thing at that point in time. It was like a, a thing. Um, it's actually really interesting that you say that. I have a girlfriend uh, who just recently left a job in fashion mm-hmm. and is starting her own vegan salad dressing and sauce company. Awesome. And so now she's interacting <laughs> with all of these people in food and health and wellness. She said to me today as we were sitting at WeWork, man, everyone in this side of things is so nice. Yeah, it's a thing. It's it a is. thing. I don't even know. Why. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I know why. But at the time, it was just like an expectation. And when I got to coach, people were, they were doing yoga in the office. They were doing things that like me and my personal lifestyle. I was like, I'm into that. I do that. But I'm also a designer. I'm not a mean fashion girl, though. Yeah. And so that inspired me. And it also just bonded me to like this world of handbags. So did your line that you were designing for coach actually go on sale? No, it didn't. So it was a a student competition, basically. So they brought you into the sample room, you created everything with the sample makers. And that was kind of where the process ended. I mean, that's pretty awesome, though. Oh, my God, it was awesome to have that opportunity. I think what was cool about it also is that this is like a coach advertisement but they cultivate young talent that's also a thing like in the design world that's really hard to find is like people that are willing to spend their time to help you become better at your craft when you're like 21 years old yeah it's hard I think that's a really hard part about internships in general is that in the right situation where you report to someone who's willing to take that time to set you up for success, right. that is awesome, but not always something that is available no. for interns at all. No. At all. Sometimes you're just that. And that's why people, you know, make the jokes about just writing to get coffee because it's like, exactly. give them something to do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Give them yeah. something to do. Okay. So you're at coach. All right. So I'm at coach. You're at coach. Yeah. From there, I I graduated from school at Parsons, and I took the first job offer that I got that paid me the most, basically. Great learning experience. I took some bad advice, though, I would say. That was the first time I took it. I mean, let's be honest. I didn't make a lot of money, but at that time, I was like, okay, you know, I think money may be a way that I should make this decision, and I made it. I w- I learned a lot about what I didn't want. Mm-hmm. It was a huge company. And I was essentially starting at the bottom as an associate designer. Yeah. And I wasn't being creative at all. I also realized that, you know, it was like, it was my first job. It was like this. I, what I saw was a huge ladder, a huge, huge company that I would have to somehow bust down the doors of and climb my way up. And I just saw myself as like a 50-year-old woman. Still climbing. Still climbing. And like still trying to just express myself creatively, which is what I set out to do in the beginning. And I realized at that point that, A, I'm not a huge company kind of girl. And... I don't do well with office politics, really. Like, I really like to get stuff done. I like to have fun. I like to accomplish a goal. But if I have to go through a bunch of people and and do a bunch of weird things that I feel like aren't attached to the goal, it, like, really kind of takes the wind out of my sails. I totally hear you. You know? Yeah, I hear you. I don't think I actually realized that I felt the same way until I wasn't even in that scene anymore. Right. Some people think that it's just, that's just how it is. And right. it's like, it's like when people say, well, this is just how it always has been. Like, that's not a reason <laughs> not to do something different. No. But people are like, well, I've just always been in an office where there are office politics or right. I'm used to being talked down to by my superior. Like, isn't that part of corporate America? Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. No, that's not how it has to be. So you decide, I'm guessing, to leave the company. I decided to leave. Actually, before I decided to leave, I started looking around and taking freelance work and trying to figure out what my next move was because I knew I didn't want to move to another big company. So I didn't want to start interviewing at other big companies. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I eventually wanted to start my own brand, but I also knew I I wasn't prepared to do that at that time because I didn't have the business experience or the knowledge to really do that. And my my plan was to go to fashion school, learn how to design 
go work as a designer and then go to business school. So at this point, I'm also thinking, like, should I just go to business school now and figure that out? Or should I pound the pavement, get another job at maybe a smaller brand where I can make a difference? And I got an email one day from who's now my partner, Melissa, said, I want to start a handbag brand. I know you were at Coach. I saw your work. I'd love to get a cup of coffee and talk to you. So how did she see your work? At Coach. She worked at Coach. Oh, she worked at Coach. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So she was familiar with the Coach Network. We didn't know each other when we were there, but she found me and asked if I wanted to get a cup of coffee. So we went and... So we went and met in the East Village at my favorite coffee shop, and we just hit it off. What's your favorite coffee shop? It's not there anymore, but it was Oast Cafe. Okay. okay. Yeah. And uh, she she was awesome. I was like, I, I totally agree with you. I have the same issues with handbags. It's like they were made to be beautiful and not functional, and I'm running around the city every day with a portfolio and a computer and my keys and my phone and my workout gear and everything and I can't put that in a designer handbag so I was literally carrying these huge like black sacks that I would buy like American apparel because they were the only people that made bags at that time like oversized totes that were big enough to carry like my portfolio and all of my stuff interesting okay so you have coffee she's great she's great man it would be great if we made a handbag line boom handbags boom handbags no no that's (laughs) not how it worked at all actually she Explained to me her concept of creating a super functional bag. And I was like, you know what, Melissa, that's an incredible idea. I have the creative background and the product development knowledge to help you out. You have the business knowledge to bring to the table. And let's do this. At the same time, she was talking to my other partner, Deepa, because they were both at Wharton Business School together. Mm. And we all kind of came together around the idea, started focus grouping, sending out surveys, doing basically a shit ton of customer research, a shit ton of customer research. (laughs) And we came up with these two products that we wanted to launch, which was the Legend Tote, which we have now on our site, and the Essentials Clutch Wallet, which we also now have on our site. We launched those two products, and that's where it all began. began. And that was in 2013. That was in 2013. Okay. So while this is all going on, you are living where? I was living... In Hell's Kitchen with my boyfriend. Okay. So let's talk about your boyfriend. <laughs> let's talk about him. This is... It's so funny. We were, uh, I was walking here today and uh, when I walked in, I realized that about a year ago at this time, my last relationship ended. And I knew that coming in here today, we were going to kind of talk a little bit about a few personal things. And it's so interesting because, I mean, I don't want to spoil the ending of the story or anything, but it's kind of crazy when you realize how capable you are, just you without anyone else to to tell you that you can do it. Yes. Yeah. It's incredible. Okay. Actually. So talk. Okay. So you. How long were you dating? Uh. How long did you date your last boyfriend? This boy. Wait. This boyfriend. This boyfriend. This boyfriend that I'm dating while I'm starting the company. We were together for over three years, and. We were going to get married. I just saw him as part of my family. Yeah. Yeah. And you were, so you were living together in Hell's Kitchen Mm -hmm. and he was a big part of your life while you were just getting out of college. You were figuring out what you wanted to do with your career. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he was someone that you talked a lot about your career decisions with and this idea of like leaving big companies and, and, you know, starting Dagny. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a big part of that choice. He was my you know, one of my best friends at the time and mm-hmm. still is actually a good friend now after the fact. But yeah, he he was encouraging me at first to stick with my job. And then when I expressed that I really just couldn't do it anymore, he was also supportive of my leaving that job mm-hmm. and also supportive of me spending a year and a half, essentially, or a year bartending at night and working on Dagny Dover during the day which essentially meant that I was basically never there. Yeah. But he was. He was very supportive. He was my best bud. We did everything together. I have to ask, because I asked about the coffee shop, where were you bartending? I was bartending all over the place. I bartended in meatpacking for a while. I bartended mainly. What I learned was that I'd rather bartend close to my house than have to ride the train at 4 a.m. in the morning. So I ended up then bartending in a couple of different places in Midtown. Okay. Okay. 
you two are living together. And at some point, from my understanding, what felt like kind of out of nowhere, it just stopped. Yes, I landed in New York from Vietnam, which is where my partner and I, Deepa, were solidifying our par- our partners overseas who were going to produce the bags for us. So we were there for six weeks. I had spent a ton of time there over that like year, year and a half time period, just building the relationship with them, getting them familiar with our design aesthetic, kind of getting them comfortable with the business that we wanted to build and it being direct to consumer, which at that time was not a common business model. And as you can imagine, it was a big conversation. So Deepa and I land in New York. I hop a cab to my apartment in Midtown and I walk in the door. It's late night. I remember I was exhausted and I see all of my stuff piled up in the corner in boxes. And I'm like looking around, not registering what's happening. And I see my boyfriend. He's on the couch and he he looks at me and he's like, you're you need to leave. And I was like, what? As you I mean, it was like it was just like someone had ripped the carpet out from underneath me. Yeah. And for me, that was the first time that I had really experienced loss and rejection and all of those things that come with being broken up with. Yeah. And so I went into a deep, dark hole of, I guess what now I would call depression. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I... I could I couldn't think. I don't I blacked out. Like I don't even I was trying to think about what I was doing at this time so I could tell you and I don't even know what I was doing at work. In my memory, I would show up, sit in my chair, stare at my computer for 8 hours and then go work out and go home. Like I don't remember what I was doing. And it was at that time that I moved in with my best friend and slept in her bed with her literally and she would make sure I ate, make sure I went to work. Make sure I worked out. I can't imagine what she thought of me at that point in time, but I was I was a zombie. Yeah. Yeah. I totally feel that. And it's so interesting, I think, when you go through some sort of big emotional event like this that you look back on it and you, the bits and pieces that you can remember of how you spoke with people, the interactions that you had. You were telling people that like you hardly know about how upset you were. Exactly. Like I think about some of the people that I spoke with in the month after my last breakup <laughs> and I'm like in my head I'm like I'm so sorry but it I'm also so sorry. it I also know. makes me think it brings a new level of compassion and understanding mm. when you know someone that goes through something that's truly difficult emotionally whether or not it has anything to do with a significant other maybe it's just a hard time at work or just learning empathy exactly. from the situations that you go through and how you can better help someone else when yes. they go through their own hurdle moments. Absolutely. And that's why I think it's so amazing that you're doing what you're doing is because sharing these stories with people automatically. I mean, if I had had podcasts like weren't a thing then either. So I feel like if I had had something like this to listen to, I would have felt less alone. Like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. I think about that specifically. When I was losing weight in college, Facebook was a thing. Instagram wasn't Mm -hmm. really a thing. Twitter wasn't really big. I think we used it to post things that were kind of like away messages on AIM, like super emo. (laughs) (laughs) Super emo. And uh, I had nowhere to look for like guidance or support. I felt so alone and just kind of ashamed that Mm -hmm. I had gotten to that place and that my scale said one number and I didn't know who to reach out to. Yes. And these days when you're going through something, it's so special that there are these different outlets. Maybe it is a podcast, but maybe it's also a social community or a Facebook mm-hmm. community or or even in-person <laughs> communities. Yes. Just so many ways to connect with people who are going through hard times. Okay, so yeah. you're like blacking out. You blacking don't know what's out. going on. I'm living life blacked out. And, and meanwhile, you're trying to start this company. Meanwhile, I'm trying to start this company. So this was, I think, what my hurdle moment was. Yeah. I was in that state of mind. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a home. I didn't have my family here. I I was just feeling really alone and like I didn't have a leg to stand on. So I was talking to my business partners kind of like, look, guys, I don't like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like I'm in a I'm in a bind that I wasn't before and it's just not adding up. So I decided to to change one variable at a time. So I 
got an apartment and I, a cheap, really small apartment after saving up for a few months living with my best friend. And I just kept trucking. I kept putting one foot in front of the other. Nothing really made sense. The numbers weren't adding up. I was making some irresponsible decisions in terms of my finances. I was making some emotional irresponsible decisions because I was so overloaded at work, but so unemotionally, like I was unavailable to really manage all of it. But I was just, I was just putting one foot in front of the other. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd go for a workout, I'd go to work. And oftentimes I'd go for another workout and then go home Mm -hmm. just because working out was really the only Basically, putting myself through more physical pain than mental pain was the only thing that would give my mind a break from thinking about it and from just being depressed, basically. I remember for me, I came to the realization that I couldn't work out all the time when I wasn't working, but I definitely started to. And so I would wake up in the morning before I could really think about anything. I was already out running. And then I would come home and shower and go to a WeWork office. And I would be there from 9 to 5 and fill my day with meetings and seeing people and doing all this stuff. And then at night, if no one was available to hang out and probably drink wine with me, then I would go and work out again. And I literally had a moment where I was just like looking in the mirror, putting my hair up one morning. And I said to myself, you need another hobby. Yep. Like something needs to happen here because you can't work out like this. You can't do this to your body. And so I did two things. One, this is actually when like hurdle really started. And two, I got movie pass. Yes. (laughs) So I started going to the movies by myself. I love going to the movies by myself. I think it's It's really It's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. I love that you do that. Yeah. Well, we can do it together. It doesn't need to be alone alone anymore. Okay. So you're you're in this fog and you're filling your time with sweat. When does that time filler become more cathartic and less autopilot? I... Remember, I started waking up mentally again, and I realized that I was losing weight. I had gained probably 20, 25 pounds when I was dating my boyfriend. I didn't really notice that I was putting it on until I, like, started losing weight again. And I was like, Nobody oh. notices. <laughs> no. Everybody, I'm like, I'm looking great. Every, like, everybody else notices. And they, <laughs> they don't say it to you when you're done with your relationship. You're like, I knew it. Guys. I didn't want to say it out loud. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, I started losing weight. I was becoming more energetic. I had more stamina at work. I, w- I had more energy for my friends and my family and my business people that I was working with. I... I just felt like a new person all yeah. of a sudden. And I think that it took probably about a month. I got into like decent shape in a month. And then it just kept getting better and better. At that time, I remember my mom was getting into juice cleansing because she's kind of a health nut. I tried to cleanse and I was like, this is game changing. Yeah, I had so much energy. I realized now looking back on it, me hitting rock bottom and then working out being something that was a routine that I could depend on. It was like a stability that I needed at that time. Catapulted me back up so much faster than I could have come back up otherwise. Yeah. And I knew that when I was at the gym or in a soul cycle class, I was happy. Mm-hmm. I was in my element. I was comfortable there. And eventually I realized too, okay, hey, you got to like normalized here a little bit because you're going to run your body into the ground, which is when I started playing a little bit more with my diet. Um, Not in an extreme way, just more like knowing, figuring out what I should be eating for my personal energy, health, well-being, Mm -hmm. and making sure I kind of stuck to that. And maybe not working out twice in one day. Not twice in one day. Not necessary. (laughs) (laughs) So you start to be able to use fitness and food as fuel and like you're awake. I'm awake again. And I felt incredible. And actually, I think that the fitness and the fuel were something that I originally, when I was originally thinking about it, I thought it was just me. I was like, I was a child athlete. I've always been moving my whole life. My mom has been feeding me healthily and now I'm like out on my own trying to do the same thing but maybe not realizing how important that was maybe my brain chemistry is off because I'm used to being in motion and 
Now that I think about it, I think of it more as everybody needs to eat well and take care of their body. And your life can be so incredibly different by doing just like those two little things and you don't know it until you taste it. And I think that's the hard part is that even in in my life, I, I manage a big team now and not necessarily manage down to them but like across and up and 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 down and I see people who work out and eat well and I see their output and I see their mood and I see them living happy lives yeah I'm trying to think of the way to put this it's like you get through this breakup and there's like this dark side oh yeah and then you find that, yeah. okay, it can get a little bit better. And then it can get a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you're out. Then I'm out. And but um, is it just that easy, though? No. Like, and it that's was a the long thing. process. And also, it was painful. That was, like, a two-year process. Yeah. You know? And I think it's insane. I, I remember a girlfriend of mine made the joke that you get, like, oh, you get two days. This was, this was ridiculous. This is not feasible. <laughs> you get... Two days for every month that you dated someone to be upset. She's a hard ass. So <laughs> she's would. like, you get, so like, say if you dated someone for a year, you get 24 days to be like in your bed. And okay. Upset. That's hilarious. And I'm like, 24 days? No. That's it? <laughs> I, I mean, and I'm like a very like, okay, what are we going to do now kind of yeah. person. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a solver. I'm a fixer yes. in all aspects of my life. Yep. But sometimes you just can't shove your feelings to the side and sometimes you got to deal with it, you man. Do. And if you don't deal with it, it's going to manifest. And then years later, you're yep. going to find these issues again. Yeah. And you, yeah. And, and that's just not the way. It's not the way. And I actually, two things. One, I think I was talking to my dad when, when I was going through it. That's who I was talking to. And he told me, he said, you need, I think he said something like six months for every year that you were together to recover. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be a long recovery. And it actually was. I don't think either of those, maybe we'll meet somewhere in the middle on it. But um, the other thing that I wanted to say was actually the, I think the thing that I learned through all of that was that sometimes you just got to wait stuff out. Like you want to fix, I'm a fixer too. I want to fix it. I want to get out of my current situation. I want to go, I want to be at the top. I want to win. I want to be the best at what I do. And with Dagny at that time and also with my my emotions, I just had to sit in them for a while and focus on the granular stuff and put one foot in front of the other. And then eventually, takes time, you kind of get to the light at the end of the tunnel. quick break from today's episode to give the sponsor athletic greens a little bit of love you know what's hard figuring out what to get your family for the holidays let me tell you there's not one person on your shopping list that wouldn't benefit from getting athletic greens under the tree or next to the menorah or wherever you're celebrating this year that's because it's loaded with essential vitamins and minerals, digestive enzymes, prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, superfoods. It's got it all. Why wait until the new year to pick up some good for you habits, right? Especially when they're offering a great deal to hurdle listeners for 20 free travel packs. That's a $99 value with your first purchase. Just head on over to athleticgreens.com hurdle to claim it. No code necessary. Again, that's athleticgreens.com hurdle. Now, let's get back to it. I'm back here sitting with Jesse Dover of Dagny Dover, and we are talking about getting through some hard emotional times. Mm-hmm. So you're out of the relationship. You are now about to really launch this company, which yeah. is just, I just, in my mind, it is unreal that this is all happening at the same time because I (laughs) it's it's so much to deal with at once it was so much to deal with at once I know it was overload I mean I was consistently on overload I was just like on autopilot like 
doing things. Yeah, do, doing <laughs> I don't even know. The Outdoor Voices way. You, your company launches. Mm-hmm. Where are you in your emotional cycle when the company launches? I'm excited. I'm really excited that the company has launched. But at the same time, I'm obviously distracted by yeah. a lot of things, as as is life, I guess, now yeah. that I've learned. And I was compartmentalizing as best as I could. Yeah. Because I I have always found solace in my work. I decided to follow my passions for my career. And because of that, I think that work is something that I really enjoy. And I like my partners. I like my team. I love my company. And so I was kind of putting my everything into that. Right. Trying my best to ignore my own mind, I guess, when it came to personal matters. So when your company actually launched, tell me what that looks like. Because I think it's like some Mm. people hear like company launch and then it's like overnight success. And and that's not (laughs) how it always happens. So it launches and then are you guys e-com at the time? Are you making a lot of sales? (laughs) What's going on? Yeah, we're selling. We're selling more product than we can keep up with in production so it was a lot we could not keep up with demand so I was in Asia a lot basically working around the clock 24 7 it was an incredibly exciting time yeah but as an entrepreneur also an incredibly scary time because your fears are kind of eating you alive at the same time as your excitement is sort of like feeding you energy yeah and I say fear because people can buy a product once. That doesn't mean they're going to come back. Mm -hmm. So it's really exciting to be selling a new product and to have some traction and for people to be really liking your concept and your style. It's a whole nother thing to get them so in love with the brand and hooked on the product that they come back for more. So how do you do that? You do a good job the first time. You do a good job. Okay. And so job. you launched with those two offerings. Yes. We launched okay. those two bags. And so how long did you just have the two bags? Oh, I'm terrible with timelines, but it was a long time. Yeah. We had two bags for a long time. We lived off of those. We perfected the designs of those. We were working on a lot of things behind the scenes operationally and product development wise while we were selling those. We were expanding the collection behind the scenes so that we could eventually put them up on the site for sale, but also just correcting things that we kind of saw pop up as we were going. And like from a creator perspective, I mean, you come up with this concept to have these highly functional bags. When you say that, what makes them super functional? Everything inside of them is functional. But if you can imagine getting to your front door at 2 a.m. after you go out and you can't find your keys inside of your bag. In New York City, you have to dump your bag out on the ground outside, which is incredibly unsafe, embarrassing. It's a lot of things. I have done it in the laundromat under my apartment. (laughs) Just like walk in there and take everything out of my bag. Just got to take it out because you got to find your keys. I mean, you can't do anything else until you find your keys. Or like the moment when you spill your water bottle all over your laptop and you have to go to the Apple store and buy a new laptop because of your own, like, I just wanted to have my water bottle with me so that when I'm thirsty, I have something there and I have to buy a $5 water. Um, so basically the insides of all of our bags are checked out so that there's a spot for your water bottle, a spot for a uh, leash for your keys, a computer compartment that closes and protects it. There is, there's pockets for your chargers Every specific bag has a specific purpose. However, the pockets are basically tailored to what the bag is made to do. Got it. And so you have these two initial offerings and then you just start to think about what you wish you had in your everyday life. It sounds so simple, though, doesn't (laughs) it? It does. Man, I'd love a backpack that had a spot for all this stuff. But then, like, I think what's crazy to me is... No matter what the business is, just the idea that you can have this idea and then manufacture it and then give it to consumers (laughs) and sell it. Every time, I remember I had Randy in here from TRX and it was just like, he talks about these functional straps and you had an idea and now they're everywhere. Yes. And every time it blows my mind, which sounds, I don't know, I feel like I sound. It's crazy. It is crazy because think of how many ideas that you think of. Like, think about how many ideas you think of in a day. And you like, that'd no be sweet, but then you just don't follow through. Okay. 
So you have those two products. You so we have those two products. products. We start building more products. We essentially used uh, customer feedback and research to build the first line of products. And that re- worked really, really well for us because we were, A, basically combining what we knew and, and our background in design with what people were saying they wanted, which aligned a lot with what we wanted because we are essentially our customer. And just started building things. And as the brand starts to evolve more, what would you say are the habits that you personally, like aside from the office, are kicking up? So you were formally going to work out twice a day. You then kind of start to eat a little bit better. Where are you, say, if the company started in 2013, in like 2016? In 2016, I was living a slightly more balanced life, still working probably more than what what I should have been if What's that mean you're now? achieving a balanced life or if that's what you're trying to do. I guess the key to all things is balance. I think at this time actually is when I started my spiritual journey a little bit as well. And I think that working out sort of led me to that. I didn't grow up in a spiritual household. My parents are not religious at all. I never even went to church. So I was very unfamiliar with that world. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the exact moment when it hit me, but whenever, I mean, I went through a lot of stuff since that. And every time I go through something, I do go through a phase of working out really hard. <laughs> and what I do is I'll like go to SoulCycle to Lily. Lily, hey. And I will get a bike that's, second row or third row and I'll just work out and cry yeah and just like get it out and that started to become sort of like a spiritual ritual for me Mm -hmm. that was like cleansing it was like I would go cleanse it out I'm feeling good then I can go back to work with great energy go back to my friendships with awesome energy Mm -hmm. my family and kind of spread the love instead of like poison them with all of my sadness that I was feeling. (laughs) I feel like for me, I am better for the people, like you said, that I care about when I take the time for myself. A hundred percent. And that doesn't always need to be necessarily a workout, but I have worked more so in the last few months to literally program days that are just for me into my schedule. And I think it's so hard and it's because it's difficult to take the foot off the gas. It is. It's difficult to take the foot off the gas. Okay, so arguably, Arguably, I would say that Dagny went from 60 to 160 at the beginning of 2018. Yes. I feel that all of a sudden, I saw your bags everywhere on Instagram. (laughs) If someone was carrying it, someone else was like, I love that bag, and it was everywhere. And maybe I'm just hypersensitive to it because I'm in New York City and I think it's really big here. Mm-hmm. Um, but talk to me about what that's been like. It's been really cool. I mean, I think we've been working really hard for a really long time and a lot of people don't see that necessarily, the hard work that's gone into it up until this point. But it's really exciting to see people noticing it. It's exciting to see people excited about it. I love when people buy it and then show me that they have it. And I'm like, dude, like you should have let me know. I would have sent you a bag. But they're like, no, I love it. Like I really want it. And it's something that I carry every single day. So thank you. And for me, that connection with our customer is really powerful and and probably the most fulfilling thing because something that I created, me deep and Melissa, is something that they touch every single day. It's like one of the first things they look at in the morning. And I don't know, I like being able to like, it sounds kind of cheesy, but like help people out a little bit when I'm not even there. If there's anything I can do to make their life a little bit easier, I I want to. Yeah, I think that's really special. I think what's interesting, I'm thinking about your career journey and just this idea that there are probably a lot of people around you over the past five years that have been giving you really excellent advice. Do you feel like while you were going through some of the tough times, it was kind of hard for you to truly listen to that advice? Or were you able to segment that or kind of, you know, section that off? I don't think I ever really listened to advice 
<laughs> I know that sounds bad, but I'm definitely the type of person that if I don't want to hear it, I'm not going to listen. I have received some good advice and I feel like it always came from a place where I didn't expect to receive it. So I was open and I'm like, okay, I can digest that or like flip it into some thing that's meaningful for me. Like what? A good example of really good advice that I got was to just do the work. When we started the company, I thought that the process would be a lot faster. I'm not a stranger to hard work. I like hard work. I was raised to be a hard worker, but I didn't realize how much work I would have to put in to kind of see even just a little bit of success in what I was doing. And knowing that if you just keep going, something's going to happen, then it made my journey a little bit easier. The other thing, actually, that I think is really interesting is that if the people around you have confidence in you, you, you can't fail. All of my friends were always like incredible fans of the brand. My mom was always hugely confident in us. She was like, you guys aren't going to fail. And even in moments where I was like, this isn't working, like it's not going to work. Or we just got an entire order of product where the straps are def- like faulty, basically. And we don't have any more money to order, reorder them or time. Like, what are we going to do? Those moments <laughs> were when... People had more faith in me than I had in myself, and I think it carried me. I don't know if that's advice or just an awesome support system. I mean, I think it is advice. I feel like so often we hear that, like, you are the four people that you surround yourself with the most. Yes. And I forget where, what podcast I was listening to, but I feel like (laughs) we get this advice all the time, and someone says, if you take a look at the people that you're surrounding yourself with and they're not really who you want to be, then it's cool if you're with them for now, but like figure out how to find the people that you want that exemplify who you want to be. Yes. Find your people. Find your people. Find your people. Um, When in those really tough times when mm-hmm. you were like, how the hell are we going to get through this? What kept you working on Dagny? What kept you going? I loved my job. I liked showing up at work. I liked being with my people. And I think that there's a lot to be said for company culture. People are starting to talk about it now. There's been a conversation around it, but I didn't, I wanted to create my own culture. I knew that I could create an environment that was empowering, uplifting, successful, innovative, forward thinking kind mm-hmm. and I wanted the ability to be able to do that and I knew that if I I knew that if I pulled out I would go get a job and everyone would tell me okay just go get a job yeah and I was not doing that yeah it's really interesting to me I feel like you have statements where you're so sure of what you're saying and you can tell <laughs> you can tell in the way that, and Sadie Lincoln talks about this all the time. I love Sadie. She was on the podcast like super early on and I saw her this week. And when I was with her, she was talking about how their company is doing all of these voice workshops and they're talking a lot about Upspeak and how when you talk yes. to someone and you're not sure how you feel, you talk like this. Yep. And Good you, question. the things that, the things that you're not sure of and the things that you know are so clear. <laughs> but I think good. it's really spe- but I think it's really special because you you're like you out. knew you knew I didn't want another job. No. Nope. I was passionate about what I was creating. Mm-hmm. I loved my company culture. Yes. That's so special to be able to recognize those things. It was special. Yes, and I need to go to her workshop. For <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, we that need to go hang amazing. out with Sadie. Yeah. When you look at where Dagny is going, what do you see? Because I feel like when I walked into your showroom a couple of weeks ago, I don't even know what else could exist. <laughs> no, you did walk in here with a, a not to be seen yet bag. <laughs> I and did. I was like, what's this little babe that you brought in here? I've never seen it. Yeah. So what's what what can we expect, man? Well, and also, also, I feel like stuff. as a quick side note, mm-hmm. you're already at this point in the episode. This is not a woman's exclusive company. I think no. sometimes when you talk about bags, men are like, oh, bags, tune out. Totally. But can I tell you that probably most of the compliments that I get on my stuff are all from men. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Uh, it's definitely not created only for women. We did start with women's bags, but I feel strongly about using the word bag as opposed to handbag mm -hmm. because that's what it is. And I don't want to scare anyone away. Also, our 365 line is for men and women. We definitely want to continue to create bags for men. So maybe you'll see that one day. But that's good to hear. I'm glad the guys are liking it. I think that my style has always been influenced by menswear and mm. I don't I'm not super girly but I love fashion but I'm not super girly yeah I love sneakers I'm a sneakerhead and I love great bags but I do like to kind of flirt with the line of masculine and feminine we share that for, for sure, sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay so what what what's coming from Dagny okay so sorry missed your question what is coming down the pipeline is a lot of stuff there's so much to create I don't know if I'm allowed to to share anything. Oh, man, <laughs> I don't know. No I didn't spoiler alerts on Hurdle. Anna's looking at me, shaking. <laughs> okay. No spoiler alerts. No it's spoiler cool. alerts. It's Lots cool. of bags. I'm 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 excited about what there is. Okay, cool. I'm excited. About that what makes me happy. Come. I'm really excited too. You have the opportunity right now to offer the Jesse a piece of advice. When she's going through the thick of it, when mm. she's at her hurdle moment, when she's working out all the time, when mm -hmm. she's lost and in a cloud and blacked out. That's hilarious. That's my, that's my quote. What, uh, what do you tell her, man? Lighten up. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Just put one foot in front of the other. It's not that serious. With time, everything changes and all problems are solved. Sometimes you just have to wait it out. Do you feel like you've been applying that advice more and more every single year? Oh, yeah. If I could speak to myself in that moment, I would say lighten the F up. Yeah. Like, it's going to be okay. It's not that serious. But, you know, in the moment, you, you can. You know, you only know what you know, and you've experienced what you've experienced. So everything's relative. But, yeah, I think lighten up. And, I, I mean, honestly, my dad, my dad did give me – advice. And I remember when I heard him say it, I just broke down crying because that's like what I was good at at that point. He said, time is the only thing that will heal it. And I was like, no, but he was right. Yeah. And it did though. It did for sure. For sure. Dad's man. Dad. They're the best. With the wisdom. Man, this was fun. <laughs> this is fun to rap about all oh, of these things. So fun. Jesse, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, this has been incredible. Please. Incredible. Take a moment and leave a quick review by clicking the link with the description to this episode. We all face multiple hurdles in life. I want to hear about yours. Reach out to me at Emily at hurdle.us. Connect with the pod on Instagram and Twitter at Hurdle Podcast. Jesse, where do they find you on social media? Where do they find Dagny? Give me the 411. I am at Jesse Dover and Dagny is at Dagny Dover, D A G N E D O V E R, or DagnyDover.com. Beautiful. I am at Emily Abadi. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>